and welcome to From the Rookery End. It is yet another Away Day podcast, two in two weeks. Well, that's uh, football scheduling for you. Uh, you're probably on your way to Reading, uh, a short little journey around the M25. Hopefully, maybe, uh, compared to last week's trip up to Middlesbrough, uh, where you were clearly easily going to be able to fit in uh, a podcast, you might not make the whole of this one. Let's see how you do. This is a, an interview that we've done mainly with our friend Kelly, um, and uh, it, it is lovely, and I hope you really do enjoy it. Uh, Kelly has been on this podcast many times. She co-hosted it uh, on many occasions. I do remember one time stood outside Bournemouth with her after that fantastic win uh, with, uh, well, the Richarlison game, I was thinking, the game where he sort of really came through at the beginning of his season with us. Uh, and we were jubilant. Uh, I also remember sitting next to Kelly at the FA Cup final uh, and not being jubilant at all. Um, in fact, because uh, Mike had injured himself, he was the other side of the stadium uh, and Kelly had to put up doing a podcast with, with me. And she also hosted it. She filled in um, and did some bits and bobs. And she's always on. You know, she's, she's a great friend of the podcast. And uh, we thought we'd just sit down to find out a bit more about her and her job uh, and everything that she she's sort of been going through in the last few years as a, uh, well... Someone who's always on the telly, uh, as I joke about at the beginning of this interview. Uh, we do play a game, of course. Uh, do play along. A match of the man uh, at the end of the podcast. Uh, but we really hope you enjoy your trip to, to Reading. We hope it's a, succe- a successful trip uh, to Reading. So sit back and enjoy Mike and I having a chat with Miss Kelly Summers. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Kelly, I'm just searching through here. I think the the list of places I can't see you on football television <laughs> is smaller and easy to read out because because Kelly, you know, every moment you come on the telly, there's a cry in our house. It's a basic competition between myself and Eli. Who could be the first one to shout? Kelly's on the telly um, because you know we can see you all over. We can see you sort of hosting the women's football show uh, on the BBC. We can see you on Football Focus on Final Score. You've done stuff on Amazon. You've done stuff on Channel Four. Yeah, the international Watford fans will remember you from doing the Premier League production stuff and that sort of syndicated around the world. You know, it's it's amazing. Well, I've been on that as well. <laughs> on, I used to be Mike's that. agent on that. <laughs> yeah, I need to speak to you about that, actually, Cal. Things seem to have dried up a little bit in that well, regard. I think that's You do not need to be blaming me. Yeah, you need to be blaming a few other people. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's amazing we've sort of seen you. You know, you, I think, I can't remember the first time you were on the podcast, Kelly, but, you know, seeing you grow... Uh, and and blossom is is I think from my point of view, um, feeling like I'm an older brother, not your dad. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's a very proud feeling to sort of see you there, and we want to get you on just to talk about your your job and and what's going on and and your take on life as a Watford fan. So let's let's talk about a normal weekend, and all, let's let's talk about this weekend that you've just had. Run us through when did when did your weekend of of work start? Firstly, there's no normal weekend. <laughs> also, thank you. That was so lovely what you just said then. And you're right. It was years ago that I first came on the podcast. Mm. I think I first wrote something for you. I remember emailing and I wrote something for the website. I think it was when I was away at uni and I just wanted to feel closer to Watford because I used to travel back from Loughborough. I couldn't do every weekend because I had a social life. But every Tuesday night, I'd get the train to Luton Parkway. Mum would pick me up. Yeah. Um, and I used to, I did a couple of writing bits because I used to listen to you guys because that was the way of keeping me in touch with Watford so yeah it's, it's nice to come back on today uh, a normal weekend doesn't exist um, which is why it's such a brilliant job on a Saturday I tend to well I am meant to be on final score so whether that's in the studio doing the EFL roundup which obviously I have a, unfortunately a more vested interest in these days then this weekend I actually went over and did five lives football daily podcast wrapping up all the big stories for Sunday morning I often do that on a Sunday but this week for various reasons they needed someone to do it on a Saturday so I did that stayed up in Manchester and then on Sunday because it was FA Cup weekend I went to do Wrexham Sheffield United which if you didn't watch it you missed one of the best games of football that encapsulates everything about the FA Cup um so yeah that's what I did yesterday but normally on a Sunday I'll be working on the WSL but you also got to meet someone very special yesterday (laughs) Because we saw, you know, I don't know how you felt, Kelly. I would have been quite giddy. I'm not going to uh, shy away from this. I love Ryan Reynolds. Um, and, <laughs> and what was that like, though? Because, you know, you've got to meet... I mean, you, you're working there with Gary Lineker that day and Alan Shearer and many others. But when you meet someone like Ryan Reynolds, was that, was that completely different? Yeah, and it kind of makes me cringe even thinking about it. Because, <laughs> don't get me wrong, I'm incredibly grateful to have the photo... But also, I will always remember how embarrassed I was at the moment that it happened. 
to give you some context, um, when you work on big live TV games, you're on site and there's like a, what's called a Winnebago, like a truck where there's obviously multiple trucks where the TV output and everything happens and the magic happens. And there's another truck where we all sit and hang out, have makeup done and things like that. And we're sitting there beforehand and I was joking with Gary and Alan and saying, I can't believe you're going to get to meet him because I knew they were going up a little bit before to go into his suite, as you'll have seen in the opening, and interview him. Normally, as the reporter, I'd been saying to the editor a few weeks before, come on, as reporter, you've got to get me an interview with Ryan Reynolds. So I was saying to Gary, how have you wangled this one? Um, And they were like, come on, Kelly, he'll be much happier to see you than he will us, like joking around. They all went up to do it, and they're like, come on, come with us. And I was like, no way, because they'll embarrass me, or just no, I don't need to be there, I won't go. Then I realised everyone else had gone up apart from me. And I was like, what am I doing? No, no, no. So I rang my floor manager and said, Tim, I'm not doing anything now. Why are you up there? Oh, I need to be. I was like, "Mm, yeah, all right. He said, come on, come up. So I went up and they were filming on the balcony and I was in the the box and I was just waiting, hiding inside. Um, As they came in, Ryan gave Alan... Gary and Mark Hughes uh, Wrexham shirts with their names on which was really lovely touch and he asked them for a photo which again was really nice as he went to sit down with his friends and his daughter who was there Alan went and I knew he was going to do it because I saw him look at me he went Ryan before you sit down our young reporter I mean I'm quite (laughs) pleased with that has come up here especially for a photo with you she would love a photo everyone in the box turns around and I was like oh yeah that's that's me (laughs) hi Ryan and just kind of walked over gave my phone to someone was so embarrassed as he put his arm around me he spoke to me as if I was about 10 (laughs) what's your name and I was like hi I'm Kelly um and kind of went oh thank you thank you and walked off and Alan just thought it was hilarious but um that's what he's like dry sense of humor and he said but aren't you grateful and I was like I am grateful but I'm always going to remember how red I was in that photo and the fact I've had to put a filter on it (laughs) tells you how bad it was but yeah it's um it was amazing. He was lovely. You'll have seen his emotions during the game. It's, it's a brilliant yeah, story. You've got, you've got to do that, Kelly. I mean, I know more often than not in your line of work, you can't do it, can you? Because you, no, you've, you've got to try and stay professional like, like you obviously did at, at Wrexham at the weekend. But there's some times when you've just got to go for it. But So you're obviously used to talking to like footballers and effectively superstars, people like mine and John's heroes. You're seeing them week in, week out. In terms of just your football supporting life, Kelly, how does it make you, do you still love football as much? Because you're, you're so busy, you're so hectic, up and down the country, in, in cars, in trains, up and down, uh, working all the hours God sends. But does it take away the, the love of football? If you didn't love football, you wouldn't be able to do the job I do, I think, because mm. I have to, it's not a sacrifice, but you don't get weekends, you don't get a lot of evenings. I have to travel up and down the country. Like last week, I think it was, I went to Forest on the Thursday, Leicester on the Friday, but I needed to come home on the Thursday night. Manchester on the Saturday. And where was on? I was somewhere else on the Sunday. I think I had to stay in Manchester for Sunday as well. So you're missing all of like the nights out and stuff with your friends. And I'm still kind of young enough that my friends go out quite a lot, but I probably haven't gone out with them for 10 years. Like, not, not regularly anyway. But yeah, I couldn't do it without loving football. And it's really weird because I've managed to compartmentalise. It's a lot tougher this season. It has been in recent years. But I've never lost my love of Watford because... I've always, Watford for me is where I go as a fan. When I go and sit in my season ticket seat, I've said it to so many people, I go with my mum, I sit in that specific seat where I've always sat since I was eight years old. That for me is a ritual, it's something completely different. Um, And I actually now work on games, I'm doing the West Brom game for Five Live, but that's different, I can compartmentalise that because I sit in a different seat, I sit in the press box, I'm there for work, they're just 11 players that happen to play in yellow. But it's, it's really weird how actually when you work in football, and although I'm further away from Watford than I ever have been the rest of my life, it kind of is enhanced. So yeah, yeah. I still love football. Well, I want to get, I want to touch on Watford in a minute, but talk about being further away. You couldn't be much further away than Qatar in, <laughs> in Christmas time for the World Cup. I mean, you're obviously sort of uh, entrenched, embedded with the with the England squad. Kel, you have been for a couple of tournaments mm. now. Again, just to echo what, what John says, amazing to see you doing that. It's, it's almost otherworldly to see someone that we know, a friend of ours, doing that, that job. It's amazing. But what's it like? Because I guess the final score and football focus is massive. The, and, and PLP, we know, is massive. It goes around the world. But then when it's World Cups, when it's tournaments, when it's England, sort of everything is ramped up, isn't it, in terms of the, the hype around it? Certainly us as supporters. What, what's that like, covering... England so so closely 
I get to do a lot of amazing things via work that you sometimes take for granted really because it is just your work but I think actually going to the Euros last summer and then going out to Qatar this year they're the moments where you do go this is cool actually this is a Mm -hmm. privilege it's it's the biggest privilege there's lots of things I really enjoy about my job there's there's not many things that I do that I don't enjoy such as the nature of it but that is my two favorite things are hosting final score and being BBC's England reporter or Channel 4's England reporter as I am as well because every day I was in a hot country every day I was going in and speaking to like a different England player and one of my favorite things to do is I'm fascinated by interviewing people I'm I'm a chatterbox I love people and I think it's a real privilege to try and tap into what makes people and in this case footballers tick and a little bit more about them so to be able to be doing that with some of the best footballers in the world is is unreal and like being pitch side at some of those games is yeah it's 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 incredible I'm not gonna sit here and say oh yeah it's just part of the job because it's not I'm very aware how lucky I am it's it's really nice to hear you say that it's it's cool and that it's fun because that's I guess that's what everyone hopes it is and if it's not fun like you're yeah. doing something wrong how could you like I literally I won't I don't really get it for other games but I would sit there like I'd sit down pitch side and be like wow this is this is like I did I had moments like that the first game because I'd done the Euros last summer but a World Cup is just completely different and the Euros was during Covid and everything else we had to be three metres away and I guess now also the England players some of them know who I am a bit more and that's what I was going to ask you yeah it's special with with that relationship you can always hear in many interviews where you know where someone knows somebody doesn't mean they're best Mm. friends or anything but they're you know they're not brand new they're not being ultimately fresh to you who do you now, because you've known him for so long, who, who do you think is the best interview in terms of who you know you're going to oh. get something from? Do you know what? And you'll have heard it in multiple interviews. You won't need me to tell you this. Gareth Southgate has transformed the way they view the media. So, so many of them are brilliant. You don't really get a bad interview. Okay. Yes, this is a part diplomatic answer. <laughs> uh, this is also partly because you've put me on the spot and whoever I say, I'll go, why didn't I say him? Yeah, one Jack came to Grealish. mind though. Bet you one came to mind the minute I asked you. Probably Jack Grealish. Okay. I, I, I get that. Yeah, it's I, raw I think, yeah. and it's completely, he doesn't have a filter. And I think if you've ever watched a video, uh, an interview with him, you'll know that like, and his passion comes across and he chats before, he chats after. He never makes you feel like he doesn't want to be there. I also, hats off to James Madison, I interviewed him. He was my penultimate interview. He didn't kick a ball. He barely trained and he came in and been having the time of his life and we had a joke with him and he showed us videos on his phone after. He could have been really grumpy. Again, this speaks volumes of what Gareth Southgate's done, but he came in and gave us a brilliant interview as well and bought into what we were doing. So, yeah, Jack Grealish is the standout one, but... I will later kick myself when I think of <laughs> someone else I wish I'd said. Um, outside of England, do you just mean England? I know, as well. Yeah, who, who else have you enjoyed um, yeah. The best, most powerful interview I've ever done. I did two just before the World Cup um, at Arsenal and Spurs. I went in and interviewed Granit Xhaka oh. for Football Focus. I think it was October, must have been. And he was incredible, opened up on his mother's past but also his transformation at Arsenal from obviously being booed off to being like their hero and going to help them win the league potentially then the two weeks later or whatever I went into Spurs and Pierre-Emile Hoiberg that interview when I still watch it back now gives me goosebumps we ran eight minutes of it I think it was which is unheard of because he opened up on his dad dying when he was young and how it shaped him as a person and it was one of those interviews where you got to the end and I just wanted to hug him and say Thank you. And he, he sent me a direct message on Instagram after and said, thank you for giving me the place, uh, the platform to tell my story. And I sent that to the guys at the BBC and said, this is what we've done. Like, whoever's edited this, well done. Because when you get those moments, you can do interviews sometimes and it's like, oh, he doesn't want to be here. So when a footballer actually trusts you enough to open up, it, it feels special. Where does that trust come from? Is that, do you think, just because you've been around long enough now, they've seen you on television... Or is there something about, is it something about you, do you think? I could sit here and tell you it's because I'm the world's best interviewer, but I think it's so much... <laughs> a great smile and I give So a much of it's luck, do you know what I mean? Maybe that morning he'd been thinking about his dad. Maybe that morning mm. he talked about his um, his child as well and how being a dad had shaped him. Maybe he'd had a great experience as a dad that morning, do you know what I mean? You'd, it's So much of it is luck um, in the moment. Spurs were doing really well at that point as well. But also, I think it's really important. I always try and talk to them beforehand. I kind of try and chat 
pretty similarly to how we are now. Just have a chat with them. Mm. Just try and make them relax. It doesn't always work. Some people don't want to open up, but try to make them forget the cameras there, which is harder than... Well, it's obviously quite hard. There's normally three or four cameras on them, but... Yeah, just trying to make them feel as comfortable as possible. But like I said, so much of it is luck. If they want to talk, if they don't want to talk, you could be the world's best interviewer and nothing will come out. We've had some bad ones, haven't we, John? And many of them didn't make the cut. Yeah, we need to, <laughs> we need to, we need to try Andros Townsend again. I reckon oh it'd be more God, fun no. this, this time around. <laughs> but I think sometimes, Kelly, I wonder whether it's footballers are, are aware of the platform they've got and when they when they have made that mm. decision, they're happy to talk about something. They they know that perhaps if they if they do open up that it's... It can help people, and it and it is super super powerful when, when you know rightly or wrongly, people are so interested in in football and sportsmen as a whole, or just people in the in the public eye. But footballers are on a on a pedestal, aren't they? And I think when when it's able to get stuff out of that, it's it is it does feel so valuable. I think it's a good reminder about how mm. powerful conversations can be with with people like that. And I did, whilst we're on a sort of slightly deeper one, Cal, I did want to talk to you about go back to the euros and on the on the plus side i think that's really when i noticed you getting really really noticed your 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 stuff mm. with gareth southgate everyone was sort of talking about how it, it that there was an amazing link and you were getting some really emotional stuff out of of gareth and really just sort of capturing the moment and the emotion and the excitement and the ups and downs of it which was amazing and then if you don't want to talk about it that's absolutely fine but there was a, I know what's coming <laughs> so there was that 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 misunderstanding basically with Raheem Sterling and and the fallout from that was was kind of I'm guessing pretty pretty grim for you and we've mm. we've talked about how amazing the job is we've talked about how good you are at it which you know we mean that we're not just blowing smoke up your backside for for the sake of it it's it, you don't get to where you are without without being good at it but it comes with it, and it kind of links into these footballers being open and honest with their experiences. You had a pretty rough ride for for a little bit after that. What what happened, and what was it like afterwards? Because what what my point is, is kind of like remembering that everyone, whether it's footballers, whether it's you, because you're effectively a famous mm. person on the telly, real real, <laughs> no, real people. Yeah, probably if you'd asked me a year ago, I would have said, "Oh, Mike." Do you mind if we don't talk about it? But I actually think that it's important that I do. Now, I realise how much I've taken from it. And it's something I try and remind myself as a football fan, particularly at the moment. And Max, my other half, often says this to me. As a football fan, you have to have the lows to appreciate the highs. And I kind of try and remember that with my job as well. And this was definitely a low. And it's something I always have as a kind of measuring point now. Basically, after the England-Croatia game, my first game as World Cup reporter for England... A Euros reporter for England, sorry. Amazing game, on a massive high. First interview, though, was with Raheem Sterling. Long, very boring technical story, which I'll try and cut down. He comes over, you do the flash interview, the one that you often see on TV, straight off the pitch. Normally, you're on BBC, you've got BBC people in your ear. Because it was going around the world, and they said, actually, this will be on like a different talkback, so you won't be able to hear in your ears, you need to plug into something else. It wasn't ready to plug into, various issues. Raheem came. Raheem needed to do the interview then. I was like, fine, I'll do it without ears. And I was just leaning over. We had to be three metres away. There was 20,000, I think it was, or 30,000 inside Wembley for the first time in six months or whatever. I couldn't hear. He couldn't really hear me. He had headphones, which he kind of put in, but was twiddling with. Anyway, he gave that lovely line about the boy from Brent under the Wembley arch. Didn't hear it. Was just kind of guessing what he was saying. The talk going into that tournament was about how he hadn't been playing well for club should he be in the England starting 11 I then said words that still haunt me now and I'd like to caveat this with I know I could have phrased this slightly better but I stand by my question I said and having scored the winner or having scored as you did and been so influential do you feel you've more than justified your selection he didn't like that question he did also didn't hear the beginning of my question it later emerged he just thought I said have you justified your selection he kind of rolled his eyes made a noise I, don't, I can't remember exactly. He wasn't happy with the question because he hadn't heard it in full. The interview then kind of ended, but I didn't really think anything of it because couldn't really hear. The press officer was like, was that all right? I was like, I don't know. Carried on, did seven interviews, I think it was in total. Picked up my phone and on a massive high, it literally felt like I was on the top of a roller coaster, really looking forward to going down the drop. And then I hit the drop and hadn't seen it coming. Wow. And it was horrible. It was hundreds, thousands of messages. Wow. Um, and I was like, what have I done? What's happened? 
And yeah, you probably don't need me to tell you the kind of thing it was. I'm a female in this industry. I'm, I was accused of being racist. Um, every name under the sun. It was Instagram. Instagram was satisfying, actually, because I could delete every comment that people were putting on my photos. I was like, you're not clogging up my feed. Twitter, you can't escape from. I deleted LinkedIn as the, in the process. I changed my name on Facebook. Grown men like that had business suits on on LinkedIn were messaging me. Um, and I was like, nah. I can't take this. So I came off for a bit, went home for a day. Didn't miss any work because obviously it was in England. But yeah, it was tough. Look, first and foremost, thank you for for talking about it. Because I think, I personally think it really, really is important, especially in football, which seems to be, it can be a really toxic place, can't it? Regardless of whether you're male or female or, or the whatever in the, in the industry, mm. everyone will have seen something unpleasant at, at some stage or, or another. And I think... The reason I wanted to talk about it was because I think we all owe it to each other to take a step back, whether you're just fans like John or I, or you just need to, you just need to step back and realise that ultimately it's always people just doing their best, whether it's a footballer, whether it's someone on TV, whether it's someone on the PA, whatever they're doing, it's, it's just doing their best. And I literally go back to, I could have worded that better I wish I'd just said you must feel feel like that had silenced your critics but there was so much at play I spoke to my bosses after and they said look you had to ask the question and it was along the right lines yes maybe could have phrased it better but don't worry so then to keep getting messages it was constant for days and days and days and I was like no matter what I say here it's not going to help anything like I can't then I had lovely people sticking up for me but then it kind of just stoked the fire and I was saying to people please just I've just got to let it go I've just got to wait for it to die down. It took longer than I anticipated. And I, I did then do a sit-down interview with Raheem later in the tournament. And we kind of, we addressed it and it was completely fine. And I've since interviewed him and it's it was nowhere near. And I wanted to be able to tweet everyone and be like, look, it's fine. I've spoken <laughs> to him, leave it. Spoke to the, the press officers, it was all fine. It was just so, in that moment, it felt like the worst thing in the world. But like I said, it taught me, you, you're going to have good experience. You're going to have bad experiences. No one will always like you. No one will always like your questions. But as long as you know that editorially you did do the right thing, then it is what it is. But also the biggest thing it taught me was, so my other half is a press officer as well and he came and picked me up from Wembley that day because I wasn't due to come home. I don't live far away. And he said, he was like, I really, I was watching live and I didn't think there was anything wrong with no. it. Like, well, that's the thing that's upsetting about it is that there wasn't anything wrong with it. And it's just, every, it was just misconstrued and twisted and contorted out of shape. And, and it ended up being a massive But do you know what on. it teaches you? It makes you realise, and that is now why I don't... Re- I still look at look at my, my mentions on Twitter, but there was a time when I first was on TV where I was so paranoid, I'll be honest, I would search for my name. Now I don't. Yeah. Because the people that matter to you in my industry and what I do are... Like, my mum, I could do the worst interview ever, and mum, bless her, would still say <laughs> it was the the best interview. She's my number one fan, and she is very oh, happy I when, I, when I give her that title. Um, if I ever say anyone else is my number one fan, she's quite offended. So, <laughs> but, so obviously, I listen to my mum, but not in the same way, in terms of, like, the most important people are the people around me. So it's lucky that Max is in the industry as well, because I can talk to him. But it's my bosses, yeah. it's the people that I work closely with, it's Max, it's, it's people that actually know and understand, not... Bob that's sitting there in his pants, wherever. Yeah. And I don't want yeah. to offend any Bobs anywhere. Like not, not Ricky, not Ju- not. Might be a lady. There was ladies as well. Might be not Louise. Sorry if I've offended anyone with those names. Oh, but Ricky, you get Bob, my and, gist. and Louise. Yeah. Absolute, <laughs> absolute swine. I mean, look, Kel, the, the bottom line is, from a professional point of view, you're not doing the job you're doing today. If if something had gone badly, badly wrong there, and you know we're immensely proud of what you do for England. I think you add great um, colour and insight to it. There is obviously a great respect. From from Gareth Southgate and the players with you, I think you do a tremendous job, and it's just upsetting oh, that you. that everyone you went through that. But I wanted to bring it up because I think I want mm. people to stop what, whatever element of football you're talking about. You could be slagging off transfer policy. You could be it could be whatever. There's someone behind all of it, and in the main, they're they're doing their best. So, and and, and often it's just a mis it's just misconstrued. So thanks for thank you for sharing it with us and. 
long may the England um, link up continue. We're all about Watford, though, of course, on from the Rookery end. So let's <laughs> let's get it back to the to the mighty Golden Boys or the sometimes. Do we have to at the moment? Well, I was going to say, yeah, the sometimes <laughs> mighty uh, Golden Boys. Being a being a Watford fan, how do your colleagues react when they find out you're you're a, you're a Watford fan? I guess how many times have you heard the sack the manager gag? I guess is a good way of summing it up. As soon as you say who you support, who's their manager at the moment? Yeah. Oh, you've had Billich a while, haven't you? Probably by the end of this, probably by the end of this conversation, we'll have sacked him. That's normally what I say. Like yeah. you've got to make light of it, haven't you? I, I, I don't think any of us are particularly comfortable with the way that happens at Watford, and that's kind of what I try and say to people. I'm like, you, you think I like this? It's just we just have to make light of it because it's the way way the club works. Um, we can't do anything about it. We're, just, we're stuck here, kind of thing. Because they're immersed in football, they're not necessarily immune to the sort of. Um, Lazy is the wrong word, but the sort of slightly silly take on, on Watford, or is there a bit more of a willingness to to ask you about what's going on at the club and get, yeah, they get do the, ask. the real story? And people have asked me, I guess there's less interest since we've been relegated again. It's it's interesting how people don't mind as much or don't care or aren't interested as much in Watford. However, like so on Saturday I was on final score and we try not to mention on air who I support as much, just because there's got to be a level of professionalism. But our floor manager was a Middlesbrough fan, came in in a Middlesbrough jumper. And this was obviously the day that you probably guessed Middlesbrough were playing Watford. And I was on air doing the EFL roundup and it comes up in my um, in the camera screen where the autocue is. And it just says, throw to, I think it was Andy Sixsmith um, at Middlesbrough. But no one had actually told me to throw yet. But I, the fact that his name had come up meant I knew there'd been a goal there. And I'm itching to go there, but I'm carrying on. They said, Kelly, go to Middlesbrough, there's been a goal. Then you throw and then I've, oh gosh, okay, we've conceded. <laughs> that was predictable. And then I have to pick up off the back of it. And So so when you throw to the Riverside, for example, on uh, the weekend, you don't know what the score is. You just know no, that no, there's no. a goal. I said, uh, there's been, I said uh, just told you there's a huge game in the race for the playoff places in the championship. Um, there's actually been a goal there, Andy Sixsmith, which way has it gone? And he said, I think he said something like, close your ears, Kelly, and straight away I knew what happened. Uh-huh. Uh, but I don't think I've ever really thrown to a goal that's not, Watford have not conceded or is not, like, I don't think, I don't ever really remember throwing, maybe it's just because these ones stick out more, I don't remember ever throwing to a game where we've won or anything. Like, maybe that's, that's just an indictment of how the season's going. But going back to that, like, after, before the game, the Middlesbrough fan, floor manager, lovely man, Will, says, well, oh, I think you'll beat us, you're having a much better season. And I was like, honestly... I don't know which Watford will turn up, but away from home, you could get us at Blackpool or you could get us at Stoke. We kind of don't really know. There's not really much in between. Um, and then I think it sounds, sounds like all accounts, Watford away at Blackpool, V2 at the Middlesbrough a little bit, on yeah. Saturday. But, do, you, do, you, do you ever feel like you, you have to stick up for the club as a fan? Just like, you know, say that, yeah. you know, no, you're wrong. <laughs> but it's harder, isn't it? It can be hard, can't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, very. Um, yes, I do. I try and justify why we've changed manager. I try and justify why maybe things have gone wrong. I also kind of laugh about it. I kind of think you have to laugh about it because ultimately, as fans, all we're doing is watching on, as everyone else is. We're just watching on with far more of an emotional interest in it all. Yeah, I laugh about it now. I've I've got my stock responses. I've got my quips and things to say. But yeah, I do. I, I and I feel quite passionate if someone wants to really get into a debate with me about changing managers I, I I will happily stick up for them but like I said now they're in the EFL no one's as bothered or as threatened maybe we should say or offended by it all <laughs> what, what about what about players Kelly because I know a lot of them you come into contact with a lot of former players a lot and a lot of them are, are only recently out of the out of the game aren't they mm. what do you, do you get any interesting snippets from from them that you're able to share, do you, do you, and do you get a better understanding of perhaps why some of the, the decisions that are made at Watford are made? Because I think, and I'm guessing here, if people really knew what football was like, I mean, you'll have loads of stories that you won't definitely be able to share on the podcast, I'm sure, <laughs> but you'll have heard stuff from behind the scenes at clubs that will potentially surprise people in, in terms of the, the way that stuff happens. So have you sort of been able to piece together perhaps a bit of rationale for some of the, what might seem like more bonkers decisions. Are you trying to get me to say, don't worry, every football club is like Watford. Every football club is bonkers. Are you trying to get me to rationalise things for you? Please. (laughs) Every football club is, I think, what's the phrase? Every football club is unique and no football club is perfect. And I think certain clubs maybe manage their imperfections better. I don't know. 
I'm yet to come across a club as unique as Watford, but maybe that's because <laughs> I know more about it. Maybe that's because I follow it a lot more. We're um, by far the uniquest team the world has ever seen. <laughs> but it, it, like, but then for so long, as I say to so many people, I remember when I started supporting Watford, coming home from school and asking if mum had we gone in, had Bassini won, had had we gone into administration, had ITV Digital got, got collapsing, got us as well. And I do still remember, and I know there's this whole thing at the moment, there's some people pozo out, some people he's gone as far as he can go. I'm not going to get into that. But I do, I say to people, yes, there's been some interesting decisions made, but for so long those interesting decisions worked and I wouldn't have had some of the best moments as a Watford fan sure. without this ownership. So yes, I know that maybe in the last three years or so, it hasn't worked, but there is method to the madness. These people do know what they're doing or they have known what they're doing in the past. So, but no, I can't say that anyone has ever given me anything that's made me go, oh, it's not just us that Saks manages every few weeks. It's not just us that has bizarre, sometimes on the face of it, bizarre transfers. Although every club does have those, I've realised. And it, it sounds like you're describing how you hear when Watford have scored. You are, it's almost like extreme... Watford sporting, isn't it? You sort of find out that the rest of us are either at the mm. game or yeah, can check yeah. our phones whenever we want. My you mum know? does, however, my mum does, however, pride herself on for home games. She goes to them all, beating whoever the reporter is. So <laughs> her description isn't very in depth. It's a swear word if we've conceded, and it's a whoop if we've scored. Um, but yeah, no, it's the same. And but also, it's it's ah, uh, oh, and everyone looks at me to see the reaction. Ah, oh, and then it's okay. In thirty seconds, when this report finished, I have to pick up. On Saturday, I picked up, carried on, and then there's a clip that's kind of gone round on social media. Match of the day, kindly tweeted out. At the end, there was oh, because of Grimsby, Harry the Haddock. They all throw hold fishes up at their game. There was a fish theme on the show of jokes about fish. And at the end, I was going to say, and finally, the game between Swindon and Forest Green is the place to be. I basically said it wrong and I went, oh, and I like literally live on TV went, oh, I've ruined my joke. I was about to say something and I've forgotten. Then I went to say it and then at the end of it, Jason went, you've ruined your joke and by the way, Kel, poor you, the Middlesbrough fan and I kind of joked and said, yeah, when I was picking up on that what for goal, I had a Middlesbrough fan in my eyeline and I sent the link to it to my mum and said, I blame Watford for me messing up on TV, messing <laughs> up my joke. That was because of Watford. But it, I mean, it doesn't really, jo- I'm used to us conceding when I'm on, as I said. It's a nightmare. But you mentioned sort of some of the down issues with Watford. So there was ITV Digital and the, the near, near collapse there, and then the whole Bassini era, which kind of at the at the start of your Watford supporting career, those those things, and it's been up and down ever since. And you do describe Watford as as unique, which is a, a very um, a lovely way of putting it. Knowing what you've seen and experienced and been to as a as a Watford fan, it, it, the ups and downs really for the last sort of twenty years or so and beyond hmm. have been ludicrous. Going round to other stadiums, meeting other fans, seeing other clubs in action. How does it make you feel as a as a Watford fan? Does it sort of bring it into focus exactly how good it can be or? Or has everyone else got it as good? No, 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 no. And that's what, like, I made a joke. I did an interview in the Watford Observer the other week, actually, as well, where Anthony asked me um, about the World Cup final. And I said, gosh, of course, incredible game. I said, but for me, it still doesn't quite compare to the Armunia-Dini game because that's, and that's all because of emotional investment. So no matter what I see at work and all the amazing stuff I see, it will never compare to that day and the things that I've seen with Watford. It just makes you realise how much more special it is to support a club because it affects your mood, doesn't it? We all know that it affects... It still makes me... Like, I'm sitting here grinning from ear to ear now thinking of that game. We've had some incredible moments. We've got to an FA Cup final. How many fans can say that? I don't care that we got smashed. I do, obviously. But you know what I mean? We went there. I had the best day. I know you guys did as well, barring an injury for you, Mike. It Like, how many fans can say that? And I think sometimes when things are going a little bit worse, then you have to remind yourself that. I spoke to a Liverpool fan this morning, and this is fresh off them losing again to Brighton. And she said something about, oh, I'd been all the way from Manchester to Brighton. A terrible roar. And I said, oh, it could be worse. You could be a Watford fan joking. And she said, oh, yeah, I don't have reason to complain. But it's all relative, isn't it? Like. Yeah. At the moment, you look at the table and think, well, Watford aren't doing that badly, but we know that there's a really underperforming squad there and things 
aren't as good as they could be. But yeah, it could be so much worse. So n- n- neglecting result, let's say, what would be, you know, what is Kelly's ideal? What are the things you must have when you go to a Watford match as a fan? What are the things you sort of look forward to seeing and doing? I love going with my mum. Uh, we've got two season tickets um, in the Graham Taylor stand. And um, I am annoyed if I forget my scarf because I, get, I have to go for work quite often. I obviously don't wear colours, so I try and remember to take a scarf. I'm annoyed if I don't. I like to pop into the shop just to have a little look around to kind of pass Graham Taylor and things like that. But yeah, I, I don't really have anything set. I just like going with my mum. It's a big thing for me. And we have donuts at half time. And even if I'm on a diet, I'm like, well, I have to have a donut because it's what, what we've always done. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing nothing special. It's just that seat, being there with, with my mum. My mum's sitting, she puts the seat up and sits on the edge of it at the back. Things like that, just little things that <laughs> my mum has done. You know, like, so you obviously flip the seat down to sit on it. Yeah. We sit in the back row, so mum has the seat up and sits on the oh, edge okay. to be a bit higher because <laughs> she's um, she's a bit shorter. But it's just little things like that and the people around us that sit with us, I've always known them, I've always sat there with them. My granddad and my nana used to sit there before me. It's like that, it's that whole thing of, I've got my eyes closed at the moment, thank God you can't see me. I'm like imagining it now. That's home. That really, really is home. And I remember I posted... I've got a private Instagram account as well as a public one because, yeah, my public one can be a weird one at times. And on my private one, I posted the first game back I did. I was fortunate enough to work on some games during COVID when fans couldn't couldn't go. And I just posted some photos and I said, I really needed to go home today. It felt good to be home. And that's no matter how bad things are, that that's home for me. And, and, and with that, because your mum took you to your first game. Well, if I'm right in thinking, it was quite an important game. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, it was. Game? Yeah, yeah, the playoff final um, when we beat Bolton. I didn't have a greatest interest in football. Mum went every week. But then all of a sudden, everyone at school was going. And I was like, hold on a sec. I don't want to miss out on this. Mum wasn't sure if I'd like it, but I got the full, got the shirt and everything, the blue the blue and grey striped one. What was yeah. the sponsor? CTX, is it? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Real old school. I've still got that shirt, actually. We're about to move house and I've been clearing out and I found it. Um found all my old Watford shirts. Actually, it made me really nostalgic. Uh, yeah, and I just went and just completely fell in love with it. Mum said it was little things like not just the colour and the things that maybe other eight-year-olds would have been interested in, but I've just given my age away there. Whoops. Um, <laughs> slower but, than ours, Kelly. Yeah. Slower than ours. But it was just everything about him. From then on in, I was like, I really want to go. I didn't get a season ticket for a year until one of my grandparents sadly passed away. Um, but I would watch every game on TV and would go when they couldn't. And yeah, yeah, I was hooked. And then for a year, it was like, I had to wear a Watford tracksuit everywhere until everyone had supported Watford and had Watford everything. And mum was like, you can be a Watford fan without like dressing like Harry the Hornick. <laughs> <laughs> And I've, I've gradually mastered that, I think. That's, it's amazing, isn't it, that, that that day... I mean, I'm sure you'd have fallen hook, line and sinker for, for football and Watford anyway, but to have that opportunity for Watford, just to deliver that as your first game... and but to... Imagine if they'd lost, though, Mike. I've said it to a few people. I wonder if I'm fickle enough to have maybe just gone, no, nah, this isn't for me. I don't like it I watched that Ooh. game again the other day, and we should have lost, probably. Mm. The chances that Bolton had... So, yeah, sliding doors. And I wonder if Watford had lost and you hadn't got interested in football, what you'd be doing mm. today. You'd probably be, I don't know, window cleaner or something. Um, I don't know why I said <laughs> that. Imagine. What would you have been, do you reckon? I think I'd have been a teacher, a PE teacher. Okay. No, Sport was always cleaner. my thing. and Or I'd have maybe gone into journalism, written journalism, doing something else. But it's really weird because when you have a passion for sport and particularly football like I do, I can't really imagine being this passionate about anything else. So I don't know if I'd have been able... I wonder what I'd have been interested in. God, I might have been really boring. <laughs> so mm. let's fast forward. Watford, uh, what are we? Fourth in the Championship when, when we're speaking. It's been, a, it's been a tough old time. I know your mum's miserable at the moment, so mm. we need to keep, keep Watford doing well for, for her because we all <laughs> feel it keenly when, when Watford aren't doing so well. But you don't get to, to Vicarage Road as often as you like. Would that Does that make it... You feel it more keenly, or can you look at it a little bit more dispassionately? And where where do you actually think Watford are at the moment? I'm really trying to work out. I find it difficult to <laughs> yeah. to get a, a steer on if we're in a in a good position, maybe building for for next year because it looks like this season that we're not going to get promoted in the automatics and the playoffs is a lottery. I, I don't know where we are, no. is the honest answer. So with you not being there week in week out, I know you get the the match reports and the goal updates from your from your from your mum. But what's your take on 
on Watford now and sort of how it's been for the last couple of years? Having watched Sheffield United close up yesterday and having seen a lot of teams in the Championship this season, even if not playing Watford, I can see that they're very far ahead of us and the same with Burnley. So they're going to go up automatically, as we know. I think it's now all about cementing a playoff place and making sure we go into those playoffs with some momentum, which at the moment feels quite hard to imagine because of the inconsistency. I was looking up some stuff um, for work the other day when I was on the EFL Roundup and I don't think Watford have won more than two games in a row this season. And that is quite telling for a team that's challenging for promotion. It's consistency. We just haven't got it. Like I alluded to it before, the fact that they can go from 4-0 away at Stoke and then a few weeks later lose 4-0 at Swansea. Well, it was quite a few weeks later, wasn't it? But you know what I mean? Like Mm. teams challenging at the top don't tend to do that. So... Yeah, it's tough. Um, I also was going to say, I find these questions quite hard to answer because listeners will probably know what I mean here. But when you listen to this podcast, you're either a John, you're a Mike, you're a Jace or (laughs) Colin or someone. You kind of associate yourself as being a Watford fan like that. You're either a bit more pragmatic than John and trying to see the positives. You're, I always think Jace is very, very level headed and very, it's got very in-depth answers and really looks at things analytically. Mike... I love you, but you're a bit more like me, a bit more hot-headed, a bit more emotional about it, a bit more, maybe at times irrational. And then you come down, like you'll maybe say things then afterwards, kind of, you take a bit of time to cool off. Fair assessment? I think that's fair. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. He works his way around. My favourite thing we do the podcast is actually where Mike is all completely rational at the beginning of it, but by the end of it, he's all calm. <laughs> and exactly what he's doing. And that maybe Mike, because it's been a couple of weeks since you've done the podcast, maybe that's why you're a bit lost at the moment about where Watford are at. But um, but I'm I'm like Mike in that I can think we're the worst team in the world and then I can think, well, actually, is it that bad? You look at the table and you look at... I, I find it hard to work out where we're at. I think we're not where we want to be. I don't like excuses. And I think a lot of what's happened has been of our own doing. However, 15 first team players, I've said this to so many people, to have had 15 first team players injured at one point, and we're not talking the six on the bench plus two starters plus, Mm. we're talking what you said, I reckon at one point we had nine of our 11 out. Yeah. Do you reckon eight or nine? Yeah, Yeah. like very, very easily. Key, key players. How many teams can lose the the spine and survive like not survive but you know what I mean like reach their aims so I do think we've had rotten luck I wonder if they're looking internally as to why that rotten luck happened but things haven't gone to plan on so many fronts this season have they really like I feel like Dan Gosling's injury Dan someone I know you guys know I know I know very well Dan Gosling's injury for me summed it all up really (laughs) like everything I don't know it's just been infuriating frustrating and it feels like the world's longest season and we're only at the end of Jan. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, and you're right about Dan Gosling's injury because it came, you know, that game was the last one before the break. It was such a nothing game. It was obviously just mm. everyone was just playing out just to, to get to the break and have a, have a, have a to, to regroup basically. And for Dan Gosling, who is making such, you know, he stamped his authority on that, on that side a bit, hadn't he? Yeah. Proved how, how important he was to us. Um, and I think we probably. We're missing him still. But yeah, I think that sums it up perfectly. Just we I just taken... felt like that injury to happen then to that player, someone that had tried to galvanise yeah. Watford, like I said, yeah. I know him. He's a really good guy. Everyone, Everything that everyone has said about him is true. And for that to happen to him, I just thought, when your luck is down, your luck is down. Equally, I do believe in creating your own luck. But I just felt like that summed it all up, really. Like, yeah, on paper, we're doing all right. We still came away there without losing, didn't we, from Bristol City? It was an awful game. Yeah. We didn't lose. Everything's kind of been okay, but every every good thing that's happened has felt like something bad has never been that far away. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna I just want to ask you quickly, you can so you're doing whether it's commentating, you're the summariser, you're reporting from a Watford game. So a Watford game and a non Watford game that you, you wish you had covered. Or or maybe that you did, the favourite game. I'll tell you what, here we go then. The favourite game you've covered and the game that you wish you'd covered in a professional capacity? I never wish I'd covered a Watford game in a professional capacity because if it's been an amazing game, I want to be there celebrating. Sure. I want yeah, to yeah. appreciate so, so has there been, Watford. Has there been one that you wished you weren't working at then? Do you know the best game? Again, like on Final Score, every game I do isn't that good. Um, like we lose. Actually, to be fair, I did a few at the beginning of this season when we beat Burnley at home, when we beat Sheffield United at home. 
when we beat Middlesbrough on the anniversary games. They were great games. I also, yeah. when I was, this was years ago now, what year was this? The Troy Deeney Cajones, can I say Cajones? Yeah, I can, can't I? Yeah. Um, game, the one where it was at Vicarage Road and I think we beat Arsenal 2-0. 2-1, I think it was. 2-1, yeah, 2-1. Last minute That one I was reporting on. That's the best game I've reported on because it just sticks out. But then I did the one where Troy got sent off against Arsenal as well. So a bit like Watford this season, every good thing, something bad seems to follow. It kind of feels like that with me with Watford. So... From the rookery end. So let's play a quick game. It's called Match of the Man. Kelly, you can take on Mike. Well, actually, no, you're working as a team in this sense. Oh, gosh. It's a very simple game to play, but it's very, very difficult to win. Uh, Mike will leave the room, and I will read out five first names, male first names, to you, Kelly. Uh, You will give me the first surname of a Watford player that comes to mind. For example, if I said Alman, the first name you will say would probably be... Absolutely, you'd be worried if I didn't say that. It would be, and this is not what it's going to be like. Uh, Then Mike will come back in again. I'll give him exactly the same set of first names. And the aim is for him to get exactly the same surnames as you Gosh. Okay. Now, we did this with Ollie when we talked about the Smith family. I'm not going to lie to you, Kelly. Mike and Ollie overthought it quite a lot. Um, so just go with. Do I have gut. to do it quickly? No, not necessarily. But it, it does. I think it does help a little bit. So Mike, you disappear. Okay, I'll give you two. I'll give you two minutes. Two minutes. All right, nice. So Kelly, here we go with your names. So the first surname that comes to mind. The first player is Tony. Oh, Cotton. Okay, Paul. Robinson. He was my hero growing up. Neil Ardley Ooh. Let's see what Mike's thinking Richard Johnson There's definitely a 90s vibe to this one You can tell when I first got into watching <laughs> Watford, can't you? And the final, the fifth one Remember, Mike is going to try and find exactly the same surnames as you have Will Hughes I was going to go Hoskins, but I'm going to go Hughes. Oh, well, I would have gone Buckley, maybe, but let's see. Oh, yeah, I reckon Mike might go there. Okay, so we'll wait to come back. But weirdly, even if you'd have said, if you'd have said a name of a current player in the squad, I still think I would have gone for like the 90s era. Yes. Yeah. If you'd have said Daniel or Dan, mm. I don't think I'd have said Backman, for example. But oh, yeah. Paul Robinson, is, um, when I was a kid, we my mum knew his cousin or something. Mm. And once upon a time, I was put on the phone to him. And I just screamed. I just screamed. And I've come across him a couple of times for work since. And I'm like, I don't even think I can laugh about that story with him. He must never know that was me. <laughs> he, I had a conversation with a little girl called now. Kelly, I think it was. And I was just he like, looked you in the eyes and goes, oh my God, it was you. You, yeah. Can I come back? You can come back now, yes. Nice. Okay, so Mike, we've had the first, uh, we have the surnames from Kelly. So I'm going to give you exactly the same five first names let's do this and I want the first one that comes through I think we've got at least three here I think at least three well last time you and Ollie uh, only got three as well but I think if we can push push five remember if you do get all five right you both win 50 FTRE points (laughs) use them however you like and the first name for you Mike is is Tony Tony Coton that's first match yes well done Kel Name, name, name number two, Paul. Robinson. Yes. That's another match. Come on. Oh, here we go. Neil. I don't think this one will be one of them. Right, so he's gone Cox or Ardley, I reckon. Okay. Um, well done for both of you for not giving anything away there. That was very impressive. Uh, <laughs> Playing the game fairly. So what other Neils are there? I was going to say Mopay for a minute, but that would probably disqualify <laughs> me from the game, wouldn't it? No, I'm no. going to go with... What did you say, Kelly Summers? What did you say? I really want to give a hint, but I feel like no, I'm going to get disqualified. Not. I'm going to go with... with. I would have said Cox, so I'm going to say Neil Cox. Oh. I wish Arby. I'd said it Cox now. I but I wish I'd said Cox. Half a point, surely, for... Um, Half well, it's still point. not five. You need all five to be to win all fifty points. Um, let's do the final two. Let's see if we can get f- get four out of five. Uh, next one is Richard. 
Richard Johnson. Correct. Yes. Another match. And Will. Well, we've oh. got to be the dearly departed. Come back, Will. All is forgiven. Will Hughes. We yes. got four! Oh, yes, I'm happy with that. So close. I thought you'd go with Buckley, Mike. I said to Kelly, I would have gone with Buckley for Will. Or but anyway. come. Or Oh my god, yeah. Didn't even think about it. I don't think no, it was a William. Will. He's yeah. William, yeah, yeah. Did, did not, in those, those seconds of thinking, I don't think he would come through. So thank you so much, Kelly, uh, for, for being involved uh, and uh, and coming on from the recruit. Again, because, you know, you stalk us slightly, but you don't really. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, everything you ever contributed to us uh, has always been fantastic, and uh, I really hope people enjoyed this interview. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. It feels like, um, it's always nice to do these kind of things. It feels like you kind of go full circle. So yeah, thank you for having me on. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! Thanks again for listening. Hope you've made it all the way to the leasing, reading, car, whatever it's called, uh, for the, the second time in, in, a, in a month. Uh, and uh, yeah, fingers crossed it all goes well. Uh, anything else you want to get in touch with us about, do get us on socials at Watford Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and on Instagram. And of course, you can email us if you want a bit more uh, in-depthness uh, to things uh, and share a bit more with us. Uh, you can do that at podcast at fromtherookerend.com. Any ideas uh, that you have? Any uh, best 11s you think we should try and uh, do on these Away Day podcasts? Then do get in touch. Uh, we do love to hear from you and to put your input into our output. We'll be back after the game. Mike's at the game. Do f- If you find him, go and grab him. Go and say hello. Uh, here we're having a chat with some fans afterwards uh, to, to run through the game. And, of course, we'll have a chat about the transfer window that has closed this week. Was it successful? Who knows? But was it the right things for Watford to do? Uh, we'll have a discussion about that. Uh, and you'll listen to that uh, on Sunday, probably, if not Monday, when we always promise to have a From the Rooker End out for you to reflect on the weekend games. We might be out early, but we'll be ready for your Monday morning trip to work, walk around the park, or however you listen to these podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. Do stay in touch. And come on, you on! Come on, you on!